and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, the first three episodes of Season 2, starting Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. That's the one with stands. Bunk is trying to talk him out of this and he brings in uh, Lester who is like this really upstanding detective who like he basically makes the major crimes unit. Lester the unlikely. Oh yeah. And so Lester is talking to him about this and he's like well no what you, you need to do like this instead if you want to make it make it look convincing. So like Lester's into it too and Bunk's like oh fuck and just leaves the room. And then Lester just deadpan looks at McNulty and goes we have to kill again. Was he Dexter? Talking to his dark yeah. passenger? <laughs> this is so fucking dumb so far. There's a really good, uh, like, cold open where they got this, they're trying to get this guy to confess to shooting someone, only he's a dumb shit, so they take him to, like, a, a lie detector, which is just a photocopying machine, and they put his hand in the machine, and they keep scanning it while asking him questions, and then when a paper prints out, another detective looks at it and goes, hmm, he's telling the truth. <laughs> okay, great. This, and that's ass. the last one, right? Five? Yeah, this is the last season. Okay. I'm Larry Davis. This is, uh... I guess this is a podcast about The Wire now. Uh, oh, finally! I've been begging for you to do this forever. Okay, well, it's not going to turn out well because I've watched uh, two episodes. Um, with me is George Brundle. He's the one who was rambling about The Wire for a while. Uh, I'm going to keep <laughs> all of that in there, including the parts where I was just walking around setting things up and yelling from another room. About dead horses? Yes. Well, I don't know Good. if I'll go back that far. Yes, Luck, the oh. show where Nick Nolte personally murdered several horses. They're all glue now. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame. Uh, but, we're here, we're back in it. JoJo. Yeah. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it's a thing, it's happening, people are into it. Here we are with Season 2, also Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. This is the part that has stands in it. This this is the part everybody knows about. It's very popular. Stardust yeah, they're Crusaders. like Persona. Yeah. Mm, well, yes. Everyone's everyone's way of describing them since Persona came out. Because yeah, I guess is... that's the more immediately recognizable thing now. Yes, and uh, from seeing this now, you understand just how much Persona outright stole from JoJo. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. I had mentioned this, there was that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure uh, Giant Bomb Quick Look, where they're just like, this looks like bootleg Persona. And I'm sitting here thinking like this was a Dreamcast game. Um, yeah, yeah, because that was, oh, before Dreamcast, that's a, well, it's a port of a arcade game. CPS 3, I think. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a later arcade game, but yeah, definitely 
before. JoJo's has Persona beat by at least a decade on this. Uh, no, not quite. Because this this arc would have been late 80s, and the first mm. Persona game was like 96. Oh yeah, right. I keep forgetting Persona 1 on the PlayStation Persona. 1 because nobody played that game. No, because it was it... bad. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. But we're here with uh, Part 3, Season 2, and today we'll be talking about Episodes 1 through 3 of Season 2. And, uh, oh, beginning of a new part, so get out of the way, time for plugs also, because I have kind of a story related to the plugs. Yeah, you you can go uh, cook eggs or whatever you're doing over there. <laughs> I'm just, I'm moving, moving some cans around, organizing my desk. Good Foley work. Okay. Gonna call you Mick Foley. That's how good you are at uh, making sound effects and falling off yep. of steel cages. <laughs> anyway, plug time. Plugs. Get, Give me the to, plugs to get it over with. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at and here's the story at Larry Davis twenty ninety nine. Now I had to change my Twitter handle because here's a really cool thing. Apparently, there's a group of people. Uh, called Diversity and Comics who are a bunch of real shitbags and so I had to change my handle which included DAC at the end which is a reference to destroyallchildren.com which is a website you can go to if you don't want to read anything written in the last two years also like that's just the total opposite of Diversity and Comics Yes, actually, that's kind of the thing, is I had kind of heard of them before, but until some stuff popped off recently, I actually thought they were like, you know, we're promoting diversity in comics, and turns out, no, it's the opposite. They're... Oh, they're so they're against yes. diversity in comics. Uh, they are, oh, uh, no. like, like, we're going to threaten to burn your comic shop down if you don't carry this Trump comic. Shit. And... A bunch of real fuckheads. So have I? <laughs> what? Side note: Have I told you that thing about like it's a uh, basically a Trump superhero comic? Like the superhero's not Trump. It's like uh, some some big titted lady, but like the artist never draws her hands. So like every time she's in a frame, like her hands are behind her back or like obstructed by other things because I guess the artist doesn't know how to draw hands. Is it Rob Liefeld? I, that's what I said when it was linked to me. I was like, this is reverse Liefeld, where instead of being able to not draw feet, it's yeah. not being able to draw hands. <sighs> anyway, that's that's my story of this weird comic that only I and I think maybe two other people have ever heard of. Maybe. I, I mean, I can tell you from getting back into comics recently and looking through the previews catalog to find what I wanted to order, there are a whole lot of Cavewoman porn comics out there. I yes, don't know you, why. You linked me. You linked me those at a rate where I was really wondering when it was just going to stop. There's like three solid pages of them, or more. You reached in. You reached into like one of those bags of infinite holding, and you're just like drawn out caveman comics nonstop. Just yeah, can't there's reach the bottom. So there's many no of bottom. them, and you would think that's like a niche fetish, and like. Sure, like, whatever, if somebody's into that, okay, great. 
why are there so many of them? Like, I don't know. Anyway. Like that, impl that implies that there's a serious market for it. That they can continue just churning these things out because people are actively buying them up. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how you see, you know, clips for sale stuff of, like, ladies <laughs> sitting on balloons. It's like, there's a lot of this. So what you're telling me is I think I need to make, like, the clips for sale version of, like, art, right? I mean, isn't that kind of just deviant art? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, now that you put it that way, I think yeah. I just described deviant art and, like, fur affinity or any one of those weasel i think is another one weasel trying to think it, it's like a i don't know somebody told me about it once it's like a deviant art thing but then i went to so they were like you should post your art on like this weasel thing and then i went there and it was like 90 percent just furries fucking and so i was like i think i'm like i'm good like i'm just not going to post my art anywhere because like the options are this deviant art uh, Tumblr, which I am never making a Tumblr account if I can't help it, or like Twitter. I and want like you no to, things to all of those. I want you to give me the URL of this weasel thing, so then okay. I can buy the domain, uh, or buy a domain of one that's like one letter off from it, and then just fill it with pictures of Polly Shore. <laughs> so anybody who they're like, all right, here I go, time to get my fur freak on. And then they find the weasel himself, Polly Shore, staring back at him. <laughs> and they mutter under their breath, whatever, I'm into this too. <laughs> This'll do. A Polly yeah, Shore is fine you. too. Uh, oh, alright, completing plugs, uh, go to youtube.com slash alwaysbedestroying, which is a YouTube thing. You do stuff there, I don't, I don't care. I haven't done stuff there in, in months, so... Oh, since we started this? Yeah, so like, if you want to go there and check out old videos, feel free. There's a lot of content there, but don't expect us to update with anything new, because I got really busy with a bunch of other stuff, and kind of just have not had the time to go back to that, because you've been busy, too, and then Danny, I don't know what the hell has happened to him. Uh, he's playing Conan Exiles, apparently. Shit, he's the one buying up all the caveman comics, isn't he? Oh, it all comes together. Oh, no. That and like episode one. There are Warframe <laughs> comics too. Yeah, and the yeah, art, the art team for them is just listed as like whatever their visual effects department is. Which that that comic must just be screenshots from the game, right? It has to be screenshots but then i bet they like draw over them like it's one of those terrible Ew. trace job things mm. yeah i know like um kyle baker was doing that for a while and like he's a very good artist it's like why are he did this hawkman thing i think it was in um wednesday comics and it just looked like fucking garbage yeah, there was a Spider-Man comic that I, I need to go back and find it, but somebody had posted a bunch of pictures from it, and it was that, like, sort of Trace thing, but they also made it look really aggressively ugly on top of it, mm -hmm. like, just dirty and grimy. And, and I usually love, like, aesthetically ugly stuff, but no, man, like, it was super uncomfortable looking at that thing. I could not read more than, like, a couple pages before I just had a bail on it. 
I don't understand why people do the whole trace thing. Like, it always looks terrible. It always looks lazy. Yeah, that's always my problem with um, Mike Diodato's art, because he does that. And he's better at it than most, and I think he usually kind of keeps it to, like, non-human characters. Which also definitely helps. But when he does it, man, you can really tell. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, though... Mm-hmm. No human being was ever traced in the production of that series because none of these people look like human beings. No. If I met a person that looked like a character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, I would turn and run. You would be in a ward that... You would be in, like, a hospital ward that was, like, not labeled at all. Yeah. Because, like, like, they, they, just they don't want anybody people. wandering in there on accident yeah. because then they would have to pay for their um, their therapy costs. It's a whole thing. A janitor with like a very special clearance just accidentally left the door open and that's how you got inside. No, get in, you have to go through a get smart level series of doors. <laughs> like Mystery Science Theater. Ugh. Cranks and pistons and Tom yeah. Servo's there. Dr. Episode Servo. one. Episode yes. one. I did not take notes for episode one, so you're gonna have to Kind of walk me through this because it's also been over a week. Okay, uh, episode one starts. Does it start with them uh, getting the coffin up? It it does. I remember that they get the okay. coffin up and then they actually manage to pry it open. And one yeah. of the guys there is like, "This is weird. Like this locks from the inside." All right, and they chip the barnacles off the front and they say, uh, "One guy says D I O D O." Great job, dude. You can read the word Dio. And then it just cuts back to... I think you mean the acronym Dio because his name is now spelled in all caps for some reason? No, it's all caps, but it is not an acronym. He is still Dio. I know. He's just now Dio! Written as if though it were an acronym, but it's it's just like they've capitalized his name now and there is no reason for this. Well, there are no periods. It's not... It's it's not an acronym actually. All right, well. But then I guess you have stuff like scuba that doesn't have periods yeah. or laser. Yep. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, aren't those initialisms? I what the difference between an initialism and an acronym is that an initialism is a made-up word, right? Yes, I think so. So, like, Spectre is an acro- uh, acronym, but Laser is an initialism, I think? I... Th- Look. You're not you're the person the, to be asking about the, this. Yeah, you're the writer guy between the two of us. Oh. No, that's... I'm, I'm the art monkey, and you're the, the, word, the word man. You can't call them art monkeys anymore. Yeah, well... Yeah. Anyway, cut back to Japan. So, uh, police station. Yeah. A very nice lady is going into the police station wondering what happened to her son, Jojo. And we get um, a kind of unnecessary thing from the police officers reading off. Like, oh, I see. Uh, his first name is Jotaro and his last name is Kujo. So they call him Jojo. Uh, that's stupid. They actually... They do say that's kind of stupid. Uh, Jotaro's mom. I really mom. like 
What? Play. Holly is awesome in this. Yes, Holly's great. Like she's standing there going like, "Tell me how many people my son killed. I need to know." Yeah. Ah, actually, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Yeah. And they say he didn't kill anybody, even though his assailants had nunchucks and knives, but all their balls were crushed. <laughs> yes, every single ball yeah. crushed. Uh, they go in... Yeah, Holly's what? just like super, a super well-meaning and like dotting mother. Dotting? Doting, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. uh, but... So, like, when she goes down there and starts, like, trying to reason with Jotaro, he just tells her to basically shut the fuck up. And she's like, okay! Yeah, she keeps saying hi in a very nice way. Yes. Uh, I like Holly a lot. Yeah, me too. But, so the thing is, uh, Jotaro is in a cell and he does not want to come out because he says he's been possessed by an evil spirit. And the spirit is also bringing him things. So they're saying like he's listening to a boombox and reading Shonen Jump, and he has a can of beer in there. And so okay, I skipping ahead. I had to check with the beer what? real oh. quick because it's it, a similar thing to like uh, Joseph putting on the Beatles. I've kind of noticed that anything that is a, a licensed brand in the show, they have to take that out. So I've been like very attentive now whenever they pull up like a beer or a camera or something like that to see if it's actually a established brand in the comic because the comic doesn't cut that out. So that's a Heineken in the comic. That's what and I like, guessed. It's, yeah, it's like a straight-up render of a Heineken can, too. Like this photorealistic can in the comic. And then I think whatever he drinks in there is just made up for the for the show. Um, later on, with when... um. Joseph smashes the camera. Isn't that a Nikon camera too? I believe, yeah. I I think that they changed in the show, and it's a, a branded camera in the comic. Anyway, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, we know Star Platinum's range is not really its strong suit. How is Jotaro getting this stuff? I I have no idea. Like this is one of those things, sort of like Haman, where the rules are kind of inconsistent and something that I'm kind of noticing watching these episodes, it seems like Rocky's really trying to figure out what the rules of stands are in, mm -hmm. in this part. And I've been told by other people, like it's a lot more consistent when you hit like part four and onward. It is. Um, because yeah, in part four, also the range of stands is a huge thing that they constantly mention. And so going back and watching this, it's like, Oh yeah, like somebody would have to have been walking by the cell outside for him to get that stuff. And I think that's totally possible. Like maybe somebody was just walking by with like a Heineken in a brown paper bag. And in an RC car? <laughs> yeah, like kids just outside of a police station with an RC car. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But like jumping ahead in, in the set too... Kakyoin uh, mentions that his stand is a long-range stand, so yes. range is still something that is in Araki's mind within this set of, of three episodes. Yeah. So. But, um... Wait. So Holly needs needs help, so she... Oh, wait, uh, you, you missed a, the cool bit where Jotaro is like, all right, you don't believe me? Check this shit out. And he oh, has his I... stand grab the policeman's gun put it to his head, shoot it, and the stand grabs the bullet. And he's like, see? 
I ain't fucking around. Him. Anyway. So, yes. At this point, Holly's like, all right, I need to, I'm going to call my pap. He knows because he's had some weird stuff that's happened. And Joseph Joestar enters the series or the yeah, season. I'm going to call my dad over to Japan because I know he loves Japanese culture so much. <laughs> yeah. Joseph's so thrilled to be here. Joseph hates everything about Japan. Joseph is like, you know how many Japanese people I had to kick in the shins getting off this plane? A lot. <laughs> So Holly, like, this whole bit with Joseph and Holly is great. Like, she's just so psyched to see him. Uh, and just starts, like, tickling him in the middle of the airport. Yeah, it makes his mechanical hand freak out. <laughs> yeah. He's still doing the clickety-clacks with his finger. Yep. Uh, but jo- uh, jo- Joseph, I almost said Jotaro. Joseph uh, shows up with a, uh, with a partner named uh, Muhammad Adval. Avdol. Or as... Yes, yeah, so it's Advol, I I think is like the correct version, but then my my subtitles refer to him as Abdul. Uh, I think... As you pointed out to me, it's supposed to be a Paula Abdul reference. Yeah. You you can hear when they say it, they say, kind of say like, Abdul, or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I always knew him as Avdol, and I think that's actually what it is. But... Yes, it, it is apparently specifically meant to be a Paul Abdul reference. Yeah, which, so a, a weird thing of, I know that my, my subtitles have been getting references more directly, but this seems like one of those things where the, the actual name for the character sort of obscures the reference too much, and then mine gets it right, even though it's technically wrong still. It's, it's weird. But we're calling him Advol, right? It's not Abdul. Avdol. Avdol, okay. It's not like Advil. <laughs> well. Yes, it, okay, so I just looked at it. It is Mohamedo Avadur in the original Japanese, which would be Avdol. So he ends up bringing him into the uh, prison with him to confront Chotaro. And they're basically like, you'll get out of the cell or we're going to make you get out of the cell. Also, I know what that evil spirit is. It's a stand. Uh, a bunch of people have them. We call them a stand because they stand by you. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a clunky name, but whatever. I like it. Stundo. It sounds cool when yeah. they say it. That's the most important part. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, but Jotaro still refuses to get out of his cell because he feels that he has no control over the evil spirit and he might hurt someone. So being in that cell is less for, like, his own good, more everybody else's. Mm-hmm. Plus, so, like, he's got an RCR in there. He's in Shonen Jump. Like, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's fine. So Avdol's like, all right, I'm gonna give out here. This is what I do. This is my specialty. And so he's like, I have my own spirit. Check this out. And he has a Birdman. Yes. Birdman. Birdman's coming back for a half an hour special. I don't know if you saw that. What? Yeah. I no, I that didn't. T- 
Yes, a half-hour special of Harvey Birdman. He's coming back. Oh, my God. They're putting the Bird Boy back on TV. Oh. You literally did not get that thing I sent you. No, I didn't. Shit. Man. Well, now you know. Knowing's half the battle. No. It's none of it. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, Avdol has a Birdman, his own stand called Magician's Red. And he has power fire, and mm-hmm. he decides to cook him out. You know, it's like I a can't... like a forest fire, it's a controlled burn. I can't remember if they mention that here specifically, but I know it comes up a few times later that he has control over any of the flames that Magician's Red produces. Yes. Which is a very important part of that stand and its usefulness. Because if all it did was just set things on fire, like that's that's still like pretty good. But being able to control the fire completely of your own will is like the really interesting part of that stand that they can like really do some stuff with. Yeah, I mean there are some stands that really suck, but that's kind of just how it goes. You know, some are gonna have really good ones. Uh, some. Kind of useless. I, I will. I will say, out of the main group, magicians red is the one that I like the least. Mm, I would say higher that or green. Yeah, it's like between the two of those for me. But uh, magicians red and uh, who we will later come to know as Star Platinum end up kind of getting in a fight uh, between the uh, between the bars. And like, at one, point, I would like to mention red. here something yeah. kind of important. Avdol does not understand the Aesop's fable about the sun and the wind. Did you notice that? No. Uh, sort of. He this says, sounds familiar, but I'm trying to like re- remember. He he says something about ah, uh, just like in the like in Aesop's fable of the sun and the wind, uh, the sun will use the heat to get him out of there, and that's not. The story is about not using force. The story is that the sun and the wind bet to uh, who see who can get a guy's coat off. And the wind keeps blowing, but just makes the guy hold the coat tighter, while the sun shines on him to produce light and warmth, which makes him take the coat off. It's not like, oh yeah, that sun fucking roasted him until he took it off. It's... <laughs> Avdol, come on. I remembered him mentioning Aesop's Fables, and I could not remember, like, the exact context of it. Yeah, I, I just made a note that says, Avdol does not understand the sun and wind fable. Araki's never read the book. Probably not. He probably uh, never even saw that uh, Aesop's Fables thing with Bill Cosby, which I did as a child. <laughs> That's a thing that exists. If you drug him, you get the coat off real easy, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's going to jail. Oh, so I hope so. <laughs> just like Jotaro, they're going to lock him up for everybody else's sake. Yeah, but Bill doesn't have star platinum. Or does he? Uh, Bill's stand is called Spanish Fly. <laughs> no, Bill's stand is called Brass Monkey. <laughs> Right, that's way better. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he 
can only use his stand in hotels, though. That's its weakness. That's a pretty big weakness. Yeah. Well, just too wet. I mean, this is, this party's going in and out of hotels a lot. So, yeah. Magician's Red, I've been trying to get to this part since, like, 1974 when we started this podcast. Oh, uh, it was a good uh, year. Grabs, yes. Uh, grabs Jotaro and just fucking smashes him against the cell. Mm-hmm. Like, just yanks him, just pulls him against the bars. Um, we also kind of come to find out, I, I think during this fight, that any damage done to a stand ends up reflecting on the stand user. Yes. Yeah, because uh, Star uh, Platinum grabs Magician's Red by the throat, and uh, Abdul's like, oh man, he's stronger than I thought. And it shows, like, indentations on his throat. They're, yeah. Like, just... The, the indentations make it look like somebody has just dug their fingers into, like, clay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not just showing little pressure points on the neck. It is like that the that part of their body has been crushed, like permanently dented. Yeah, like he's going to pop his artery out and play with it for a while. No, no thank you. I no. I'm good. But anyway, so at uh, some Jotaro like of... kicks a table over which then breaks a toilet which then like sprays water everywhere to get rid of the yeah. flames. Uh, and he's like, alright, I have had it with this dude And he just like pulls the bars apart And gets some smaller bars I don't remember how he gets the smaller bars If he like shatters one or something I think and... he just like rips them off Well, they're smaller though They they look like little pipes Not quite sure uh, And he's about to throw <laughs> oh, them at Abdul What? The typical JoJo thing, by the way, of, like, there's a beat in this fight where if you try to trace it back, like, each section of this fight, it makes no sense. Like, the mirror thing with Straitso in the start of part two. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, like, this was not established, this is super inconsistent, like, you're just doing this to do a cool thing, which I appreciate, but it if you stop and think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Sure. The Star Platinum pulls the bars apart, goes out, uh, and then Avdol just turns around. He's like, alright, I'm done. I was here to get him out of the cell, that's it. Just Goku's this dude. Yep. Just turns around, sits down. And uh, Jotaro says, like, that's kind of cocky of you because I have these steel rods that I could have thrown at you. And Avdol says, doesn't matter if you did because Magician's Red's heat could... Just dissolve them in midair. So there you have it. Magician's red can melt steel beams. Oh, Confirm. No. Hey, I'm just saying. His name's Mohammed, and you know, it, look, come to your own conclusions. About it's what time for me to make a, an extremely well-researched video and put it on YouTube. Okay, you do that. I'm gonna blow the cover off this whole thing. So. The the thing is, though, Jotaro kind of got played in this because Advol was just saying, like, I am go- I'm never going to get his name right, by the way. I'm uh, just letting you know right oh, now. Boy, my knee's been acting up. I'm going to take an Advol. <laughs> 
anyway, he uh, basically tricks him out of the cell. Like he had boasted at the start of this, like, I might have to put him in the hospital, but I will get him out of the cell. And instead, he just manages to to trick Jotaro into walking out of his own volition. And Jotaro's like, oh, so you beat me. And he's like, no, not really, because my intention was to put you in the hospital. You're stronger than I thought. But hey, you're out. So like now we can kind of like talk about this like civilized people. So we're going to go to a cafe and shout about our like our ghost powers and yeah. vampires really loudly in front of a bunch of other people. Yep. And so your here... dad's camera open. He's gonna what? Bust a camera open. Oh yeah. So they go to a cafe, and here Joseph basically lays out the plot of this season, uh, this part, which is that Dio is up to no good again, and he uh, he has Jonathan's body, which they know because Joseph's stand, Hermit Purple, can produce spirit visions. He takes out a camera, and he just smashes it on a table, and then a camera... Or a um, photo pops out Which has Dio on it And Joseph says This is a cool power but I have to destroy a $300 camera Every time I use it So that's not so great But it's just karate chops the camera too Yeah sure Straight in half Yeah I love Hermit Purple Yeah well Hermit Purple It turns out later you'll see he actually has more uses for it But Hmm Um and actually, now you can see uh, it was kind of a cool little, like, I guess you could call it Easter egg in the Season 2 opening, where, or I guess Season 1 Part 2, uh, that it had the purple thorns from Hermit Purple in the background. In a couple oh, of places. yeah, it did. Yep. Anyway. Huh. Uh, that's uh, something something else that's worth noting real quick that I now understand about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is Araki has gone back and sort of like assigned stands to characters who would have had them if they existed part three and beyond. Like I know Jonathan has a stand. Yeah. Uh, Like I don't think it's canon in any way obviously because there's no way they would have like the stand powers only manifest now because Dio has taken over Jonathan's body. Something about him waking up after a hundred years has caused stands to trigger in every single member of the Joestar family. In the uh, Joestar I... family, yes, but not everybody else. Uh, yeah, uh, like, it's known that there have been other people with stands, and, uh, Ad... Oh, God. Avdol says that he's had to stand yes. with him since childhood. Yeah, but he, he also mentions that other people have perceived it basically as psychic powers because nobody can see a stand besides other stand users. Yep. And they were so, pretty rare, I think, until this kind of outbreak. Yeah. And so, like, the, kind of the implication is that, like, any perceived psychic event in the past was due to a stand. They've been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, anyway, Iraqi, I think, has, like, actually given stands to, like, Joe Star characters... Like Jonathan, I think like Lisa Lisa, he might have given one to at some point. Maybe. Like I was, I Jonathan, was kind of if I remember right, it's just a better version of Hermit Purple. I think he oh, also okay. does this sort of thing, but more effectively. I was kind of 
I was about to say, I thought that was what it would be because it seems like from what happens to Holly that Hermit Purple is kind of just the default for Joestar's. Well, sort of, well hers Joe... is basically just a variation on Hermit Purple. Yeah, I think it's people more closely related to Jonathan because, like, hers is... Because, like, Jotaro's is not anything no. to do with and I'm assuming Joe's K, you know, when we get to part four, it doesn't have anything to do with it either. But no. uh, we'll kind of find out in, uh, I believe it's episode two or episode three, that sort of the reason Rocky had to make one for Jonathan is because Dio's stand is inherited from Jonathan's body. Because hmm. Dio can also use Hermit Purple. Can't? I don't actually remember, remember they're, this. They're on the plane, and Dio looks at a picture that he produced, and he has the thorns around his hand. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. I think that's the only time he ever uses that. Oh. Okay. Well, because I should at least admit that, like, I know enough of the Dreamcast game to know that, like, Dio also has another stand. Yes. Well, you know Zawar. I know that. Yeah, Zawarudo. Also, you have been shopping for action think... figures. <laughs> yes, I've developed a problem. Um, I've seen like enough salty bed in that in that game to kind of know that there's a steamroller involved at some point. That Dio's look changes significantly. It's like he has green lipstick eventually. Mm. Um, I know Zawarudo. Uh. And I know that he eventually says Muda, Muda, Muda really, really fast. Like, to a point that you would think it's humanly impossible. Yeah. But also, you've been shopping around and you're like, hey, what's this white-suited Jotaro? This is cool. Yeah, and it turns out it's it, here, here, Here's this really? guy with uh, dollar signs on him. I like that. <laughs> Actually, you fucker, you linked me the dollar sign guy. That one is on you. No, you'd already seen that because you watched the other quick look of the other uh, JoJo game, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, actually, I forgot he was in that. <sighs> okay. Anyway, anyway, bringing it, all, bringing it all back around. The, the, the way that I know that Dio's Hermit Purple is inherited from Jonathan is because I'm, I'm assuming that uh, Zawarudo is like Dio's, Dio's head's stand. Yeah. Zawario is uh, my stand. It summons 80 micro games, and the opponent has to <laughs> win them all. If he fails one of them, he just dies? Yeah. That's a really good stand. It is. <laughs> that actually would be a really good stand power. I actually really like that. Shit. Or something I just shit out. What would Waluigi's stand be? Uh, sucking. Nah, I just, I kid, I like Waluigi. Gross. Gross. So, uh, the, the, the group basically says that, um, Joseph is, like, horrified of what Dio must be doing with his grandfather's body. Like, I don't know what weird Dio stuff Dio is getting up to, but Joseph is not having it. And to try to figure out stands and all this stuff, eventually they're going to have to come into conflict with Dio. Yeah, as all people do eventually. 
Also, it's just the Joestar fate, as Joseph points out, to like have to fucking deal with Dio shit at some point. Even though Joseph never did, his dad never did. Well, he is I, well, now. His, his his dad, I guess, was eaten by. Yeah, like a dude related to Dio. That but... that was made by Dio. Plus, straight so his whole heel turn was because he saw Dio and was like, "I want to be that guy when I grow up." Yeah, I want to be pretty. <laughs> oh, so pretty. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess so. Except, yeah. I like that's it's a lot more indirect, but Joseph was still like still to a degree dealing with some stuff that was caused by Dio. Yeah. And now uh directly. Yes. But that's episode 1 was there like a a stinger or some sort of thing at the end or was it just that they left? I can't remember. No. They they were just there in the cafe as the credits rolled. So, you mentioned that you don't have a book to read the episode notes from, but then you called me in a panic yes, one night. Yes, I have great news that the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure wiki includes Suda's note from the Japanese Blu-ray limited edition. So, we still have Suda's notes for, uh, I think, every episode. I haven't checked all of them, but I assume... And also, I was kind of worried about the translation on this, but these, in fact, actually looking at now, I can tell you this seems uh, exactly the same as the style in the book I was it is in It is in Suda's voice, basically. Yes. Good. Because I am looking at two laughs in parentheses, so... Okay, perfect, because, like, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, if you were able to still communicate the, the bare-bone basics of what Suda wants to say about each episode, but it was not written in Suda's voice... I don't want to hear it. Exactly. And this seems accurate. Okay. Awesome. Here, All right. Here's, here's what Suda says about episode one, A Man Possessed by an Evil Spirit. In Great this episode title, by the way. Yes. In this first episode, I am the director. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Suda. All uh, right. Any doubt I had that this was not yep. a good translation? Yeah. The, Expunged. Yeah. This is totally Suda. Frankly, it is quite dense, beginning with the minor characters in the boat scene. We had the same tension from the previous series. The making of this episode took more time than most. To be precise, one must know that an anime uses three different frames for lip synchronization. For this episode, we went up to four frames. Oh, oh. shit. Suda. This is extra work for the key animator for an ultimately discreet result. We then went back to normal for the remainder of the series, except the close-ups chosen by the director. With this series, it's we sought to... Wait, what? Animator who does family. Hmm? Just gave him more work to do, whatever. Yeah, we he doesn't found... have anything else to do. Yeah, fuck that guy. We want four lip-syncing frames. He just buries his face into his hands. It's like, oh, oh man, oh. Hey boss, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. With this series, we sought to reach a Western aesthetic by observing animation processes used in foreign series and movies. In fact, to apply too many anime-esque tropes would have worked against JoJo. 
It was already the case in the first series, but some motions were still not realistic enough. The goal of this season was thus to improve this aspect as much as possible. Regarding the animation, we had to manage 12,000 drawings like madmen. That was crazy. Ha 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 ha. But the benefit, if there was any, is mainly towards Magician's Red's flames. In the end, everyone survived. Ha 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 ha. And I am very satisfied with the first episode. It is a major work in a long series, and we had to jump into the fray and have a good start. Mission accomplished. I like to imagine Suda on an aircraft carrier with the mission accomplished banner behind, behind him. him. We didn't mention, um, uh, so... immediately noticeable that the animation is way better. Yes, it, it definitely is. It, I think it's much more consistently good. Yeah. It, it doesn't have as many of those, um, like the weird close-ups with the you know, the bizarre colors and everything that... Yeah, the, the, the color-changing stuff is still there, but yes, it's a lot less frequent. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, uh, you know, the Duran Duran album cover thing that I yeah. mentioned. It, it doesn't do that. There's one part where there's a close-up of Jotaro and it has something kind of like that, but it doesn't do that as much. I think what really makes this look a lot better is the difference in line thickness because one of the things I disliked about the animation in the first season was that everybody had really thin lines all around them and it kind of just made them lack definition you know what I mean yeah there's definitely like a a thicker outline to all the characters that make them stand out against their backgrounds more also like the uh the difference in colors mm -hmm. like I I think are there's more vibrancy more of a I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It, it characters feel contrasted against their backgrounds a lot better this season like they they feel like they pop out more from their backgrounds yeah the the colors in the first season also were kind of muted uh, for most of the regular scenes which i wasn't really a fan of and that's when i'm i'm tripping all over myself but when i say vibrancy i mean like yeah every Every frame of this thing pops. It's a it's a lot more lively than it was in the first season, where you had like maybe a lot more browns and blues and grays and stuff. I mean a little bit of that, but it, the first season just in general kind of looked pastel in a way. Uh, just like the color saturation was just dropped down a little bit, whereas yeah. here you don't really have that anyway, problem. Everything stands out more this season in a good way. Yes. So, episode two opens up. I do have notes starting now. First note, ladies love Jotaro. That's right. All these ladies are so way into, into him. I really like when uh, there's, I guess it's later when he falls down the steps, but how there's a fan of ladies to his left where one just keeps popping out from another, from behind another one in a series. <laughs> just really women good. unfurling to his right. Uh-huh. Uh, there's the a good bit them, here, though, where two women right. start arguing over, like, who likes Jotaro more or something like that, and they start, like, back and forth calling each other ugly and tiny tits. Okay, for mine it was no <laughs> boobs. Which tiny actually, I like no boobs more. <laughs> mm. uh, First this... disagreement for part three. 
this is the first time Jotaro says Yare Yare Daze too, which in my version is translated as good grief. Um, in the books I have, it was translated as give me a fucking break with fucking being symbols, obviously. Uh, what's yeah. yours? Uh, mine has one instance of them uh, of good grief, and then I've had other instances of give me a fucking break. Okay. So mine, mine has been sort of taken some liberties with it, we'll yeah. say. Well, I think it can be translated either way. Uh, yes, but like the, the liberty in the sense of they're not being consistent with it, they're kind of bouncing back and forth. Whatever, oh, sure. whatever they feel, I guess, fits the scene better. Well, I don't um, know. I Joseph's, think in this scene, it's good grief. Yeah, Joseph actually said it in uh, part two. I distinctly remember a part where he said "yare yare." Um. Mm. But there's a a man painting a picture, and this got like super confusing for me. Uh, he is painting a a very bad picture of <laughs> Jotaro, and then with red a paint with a, a paintbrush with red paint on it slashes Jotaro's leg and then that damage is reflected on Jotaro causing him to fly down a flight of stairs. And I'm talking like dude just launches into the air like a rocket. Yeah. Like not a, just took it's a tumble. Not like he trips, he just jumps. Yeah. He's airborne for like 20 seconds. Mhm. Just flying around. Um the reason this got confusing is because the one who slashes his leg is Kakuin. And we find out that his stand later on, Hierophant Green, like, basically can jump into people and control them. At first, I thought his stand was like he could paint pictures, and then whatever happened in the pictures he painted would happen for real. Yep. I don't know how what he did to that canvas actually, like, I don't know how that worked. I think... I think that is a power he can do, but he just doesn't do it often. Like, I wonder if it was just that he was trying to be flashy or something, like, for his own amusement, and, like, Green just went out there and, like, cut Jotaro's leg. But then, like, I, I would assume Jotaro would see that or sense that. Because, like, when he lands at the bottom of the stairs, he's just like... Did I, like, just cut my leg on a branch? No. Like, it had to have been, like, a stand or something, right? Because, like, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he ever does the painting thing again, from what I remember. You know, I believe it was back in part nope. one. Nope, we're done. Richard. Not doing that anymore. Uh, Robert, Ario Speedwagon. Speedwagon's dead, so is that drop. That was the bit. Yeah. Rest in peace, Speedwagon. Yeah. Uh, we also then uh, we have a cut back over to Dio. Oh, didn't mention point. the intro, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all right. I don't, I don't like the song that much. Nah, it's fine. The, well, uh... I think my favorite song is the one that they used for the Phantom Blood arc. That one's okay. Uh, uh, but the actual like the sequencing to the intro is really good. It is. I was disappointed that they're still using 3D models. Yeah. Like the yeah. quality of them is way better. Like it actually is a serviceable animation this time. But yeah, it 
don't know. The outro is way better. Yes. And guess what? No CGI in that. Yeah. Uh, we we will get to the outro. But see, I like the outro. Again, having watched part four, there's no CGI in any of those intros. I mean, you know, if you're going to be pedantic, you can say, like, oh, well, they have computer-generated imagery in them. But you know what I mean. There are no 3D models. And so I thought, okay, well, part three must be where they move away from that. Nope. They doubled down on it, and it's pretty much all that in the intro. But, again, at least it looks okay now. Yeah, there are actually I was some say, really like, cool-looking parts. The the part two intro, I think, has more, like, 2D animation going on. Yeah. Than the part, like, like, by a mile. Yeah. Uh, part, part three is almost to the point where it's, like, about as much as what was in the part one intro. Mm-hmm. Much actually, like... hell yeah. Like, I think part one was entirely... CGI. I don't think that had any 2D art in it. It had some, um, it had some animated uh, comic panels, if you would count that. I did something about those. Even felt like more towards the computer-generated end of things. Because, like, again, yeah, if you want to be pedantic, like, pretty much all this is going. It's all done by computers. It's all done now, with computers, in the words of Dick Valentine. I'm I'm glad I was setting you up for that. <laughs> anyway, whatever. The, the intro, I like the way it looks. I don't like the song. I kind of hate the song. The song's growing on me, I think. Yeah, it's it's it progressively getting worse. For, I've actually been skipping now. Uh, I liked Bloody Stream. I know you didn't like it that much. Part The part one theme is still my favorite one. Like, I actually really like that theme. Yeah, that one's pretty good. But uh, we, we get a quick cut back to Dio, and Dio kind of tells us what we already know, that like he attaches his head to Jonathan's body, but uh, he can sort of like sense the other Joe stars. He is not cool with that. Also, he's sort of pissed off that he was in like a casket for 100 years, thanks to Jonathan. So he's like, I need to sever my link with the Joe stars and like move past this. So like everyone who is a Joe star needs to die. Yeah. Kill them all. Yep. And we then uh, do another quick cut over to... It's uh, Joseph and... Uh, what's his name? I- ibuprofen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's Bayer? enjoying a tea ceremony, and Joseph is like, Japan is dumb! I love instant coffee! Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> that tells you uh, what an uncultured swine Joseph Joestar is, that he says, instant coffee's plenty good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, fuck, no, this Japanese coffee tastes terrible. And Abdul is like, uh, that's that's American instant coffee, you dope. Yeah. Instant coffee from anywhere is bad. It, God, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, but uh, that's like just a weird character moment we get with them, because like, they also don't reveal anything that we don't kind of already know, uh, which is just like, hey, we should find Dio. Well, isn't that where we get the bit with um, Holly? Uh, no, I don't think she actually shows up in that scene. I thought she showed up, and then that was when she said, "Like, hey, don't call me uh, Holly anymore. Call me no, Seiko." No, that, that, no, that's later. No, oh, okay. No, but um, I think the other thing that they 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 sort of mentioned in here is like oh, we're pretty sure that like Dio knows we're up to something. Yeah. Uh, 
it's like the whole purpose of those two scenes is to establish that there is a, a sort of um I think like telepathic is maybe too strong of a word, but there is some sort of unspoken like spiritual link between the Joe stars and Dio and both like, of them are uh, like a morphogenetic fields, right? Yeah, Mr. $10 word over here. I'm Briar guy. You're just the art monkey. <laughs> well, look, no, I know about morphogenetic fields. I heard you fields. flipping through your thesaurus over there. Your noise gate probably didn't pick up on it. It's not thesaurus. That would be looking for a synonym. Now, I know about morphogenetic fields because of the uh, Zero Escape games. And why the last man. Wordsmith. I don't know the difference between a thesaurus and a dictionary, apparently. Yeah, thesauruses for synonyms. <sighs> you probably oh, thought thesaurus was an actual dinosaur. <laughs> it's the lamest dinosaur of them all. You're not wrong. So... Uh, Jojo is uh, seeing a nurse about his gaping leg wound. Yeah. Just go uh, to a school nurse, two... nurse for that. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, the nurse uh, is like, I know you got hurt in a fight. And there's these two goons in there. They're like, man, Jojo ain't never got hurt in a fight. And she wants to cut his pants. And he's <laughs> like, no, I'll take them off. Because uh, he's a cheapskate. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> Meanwhile, as he's taking his pants off, uh, the thugs that were in there just pretending to be sick to get out of school, uh, a couple of real bonchos over there, uh, start freaking out because the nurse is uh, <laughs> acting kind of strange. Just, yeah, kind of? A little bit. She's got her um, her fountain pen out. And she's waving it around, and her eyes are, like, rolling back into her head. Uh, like, in opposite directions, too. Like, just yeah. weird googly-eye things going on while she is just drooling and slobbering everywhere. And she's like, I'm going to take your temperature with my, thermom my, my thermostat. Thermostat. Yeah, thermometer. thermometer you, you had it thermometer right. Thermometer stat. Th th yeah, anyway. Th thermometer like that's, that's, that's a... Pin is what they tell her, and that fucking pisses her off. It's like, does this look like a pin to you? And then stabs a dude right in the eyeball. And the other guy freaks out. She's like, what? Do you think this looks like a pin? And Jotaro's <laughs> like, fuck. And uh, so she turns to him too and wants to know if he wants to know if it looks like a pin. And then Jotaro realizes. That something is afoot. That there's a tentacle <laughs> yeah. on her leg. Tara's like, oh, this is a normal. Yeah, she she normally doesn't stab people until after school hours. She cuts pants off of students all the time, though. That is 100% her. It's a problem. Oh, yeah. She's been reported to the faculty a few times. They seem to be covering for her. It's a problem. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, Kakyoin is controlling her with his stand. I feel like and, you've uh, pronounced his name differently every single time you've mentioned him. Possible. Uh, saying, he you, says said that... you said Kakyoin. You said uh, Kakyoin. You've, now you said Kakyoin. Uh, uh huh. 
How am I going to say it next time? You don't know. Uh, keeping me on my toes. Right. Uh, he says, though, that removing... Or, no, um, hurting his stand will hurt her. So since his stand is parasitic, uh, much like how hurting a stand would hurt its user, in this case, it would also hurt whoever it's possessing. Well, I think that's just because it's literally inside her, though. I... Mm, yeah, I suppose that that because okay, that's not it's kind of phrased, but that does make sense. Well, okay, so Jotaro gets an idea, so he grabs the nurse uh, and smooches her, and in doing also, so, what like butt fly off of her shirt and like her boobs practically bounce out. Yeah, yeah, for for, for no reason. This just there's a tight shot of it happening. I don't know. Yeah, she, she, it's just like it's boing, just boing, 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 boing. Yeah. Just no reason. Was there a boing sound effect? Because I think there was. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and so Jotaro gives her a smooch because he sees uh, Hierophant Green like in her mouth, and Star Platinum yanks him out with his teeth. Which, Damn girl, uh, I'm gonna suck the stand out of you. Eat that stand like it's groceries. That's what kids say, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so Joseph starts crushing uh, Green's head, and uh, this is also crushing Krakion's head. Uh, and <laughs> now you're trying to get to Doctor Steve Brule. Krakion. I am the dumb dangus. <laughs> It's doing it to fuck with you now, by the way. Uh, Jojo says he is going dumb, to... Um, uh, he's going to bring him back to Joseph and ask what he knows about Dio. And then uh, Hairfin Green starts, like, spewing ecto-cooler. Yeah. It's great power. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Kakoin explains that by ripping his stand out of the nurse... Uh, he wounded her internally because he is like super, super long, was like coiled up, and by just forcing it out of there, I guess like shredded her inside something bad. No, he says it's because he doesn't like open spaces, so it was basically clawing at her insides as he was getting pulled out. Okay. I think my translation probably did not make that very clear because mine was specifically mention mentioning like he is very very long and coiled up inside of her mm, mine specifically said that he hates open spaces and wanted to uh, mine, stay in there i mentioned that too but i don't think it mentioned like actually clawing um that makes like either way really like if you were to yank a full body parasite out of somebody it would still probably mess them up inside probably i mean i'm not a doctor you just play one on TV. No, not anymore. I mean, oh, the show got canceled. They, they finally put a stop to that, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I told you not to sell the bone juice. It's not FDA approved. You were going to get in trouble. It's just a matter of time. Well, look, you know, they got rid of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They got rid of Lucifer. So I was next on the chopping block. That's just Bro how it Brooklyn goes. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is... Back, by the way, so you might want to get. In I touch know with... those fuckers. They <laughs> yeah, wouldn't take me back. Buying up failed sitcoms. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, mine wasn't a sitcom though. 
Did you never watch it? <laughs> I found it pretty funny. You could have fooled me. It was deadly serious. <sighs> Alright. Yet another so, plebe that doesn't understand art. Look, killing that woman with lung cancer by trying to like prescribe holistic medicine I thought was a laugh riot. But that was the point that holistic medicine is not a joke. It was a it was a brutal takedown on Dr. Oz. That woman's life is on your hands. Just like the nurse that Jotaro... It was a TV show. It wasn't real. Alright, what? Go ahead. Back on track here. I'm leaving. <laughs> Grabbing this podcast like a parasitic stand. I've had it! I hurt. I think I hurt my friend. I think I hurt my friend. Whole thing was just a scheme. <laughs> get you to watch this show. I like it to finally understand what I was talking about. Highly rated TV show. Turns out it was not highly rated because it got canceled. Okay. Are you done? Yeah. Your little fit done? Can yeah. we do the show now? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hear about this when we're done, right? You're not going to start talking about it again? No. It's okay, buddy. Well, we'll go get some ice cream after this. You want ice cream? Can I have Rocky Road? Mm -hmm. Only if you behave yourself. Okay. Alright, that's better. So, uh, it's explained that, like, the nurse died, because he's just like, her life is on your hands. Except later on, like, it, she did not actually die. Like, she got really messed up, but she is, like, in the hospital, they say? Yeah, yeah somehow. Jotaro, yeah, I... he basically just gives a quick look at her, who's and she's lying on the ground covered in a puddle of blood, and he's just like, oh, she'll be fine. Yeah, their excuse, by the way, at the end of this whole fight is that a gas line exploded. I miss that, I think. Yeah, they're just but, like, right. ah, they explained that like a gas line blew up, and then they like bounced. Okay. So, uh, Jotaro starts giving the speech where he's like, I've always been a punk, I send people to the hospital, I scare teachers, if restaurants serve me shitty food, I don't pay my bill. <laughs> Yeah, I really but like I know how that's people. in his list of things that he does. <laughs> and there's, there's like, little flashes of this. Like, there's a little flash of him eating shitty food in a restaurant and looking, like, very displeased about it. Yep. Uh, but he's like, but sir, I know evil when I see it, and you are evil. And then uh, Kakyoin gives this really weird, like... He's like, oh, well, it's only... You're only evil if you lose, or something like that, which is, like, eh. History is written by the victors. I Like, that's what you're going for, but you're saying it in this way that's, like, kind of clumsy, and I don't know if it's just it was poorly written, or if that's Kakuin's character. Kakuin's kind of we, a shithead. Yes, as, as, as this show goes on, we kind of find out that, like, even though he's introduced as, like, this painter, artist, pretty boy kind of guy he's kind of a dope yeah uh but uh jotaro lets himself get bound by his uh 
by his stand and um, then uses his stand to, like, shrug the attack off. Yeah. Basically, this whole thing, it's kind of not really a fight because Star Platinum kind of just overpowers Hierophant Green. Yes, he, he aura-auras that dude. Yeah, because he's... He says, uh, here's Hierophant Green's special power, Emerald Splash. It makes these crystal things and it shoots them out. Oh, okay. Great. It also looks like it tastes delicious. It just looks like Ecto Cooler. It does. Green Ecto Cooler, though, not the orange Ecto Cooler. No. But uh, Jotaro Stand, its power is just. Punching the hell out of things. Yeah, and it's also it's a kind bit of worse than that, as we find out in the next episode. But it's mostly just punching real good. Basically, it's just that it can move very quickly and very precisely, and that yes. includes punching, <laughs> which is mostly what it uses its precision for. Yep, uh, well, it's I strong also... too. This is not something that happened in my translations until this point. I began getting translator notes. Oh, great. My thing went according thing to Keikaku. From fan subs, yes. And on this one, it's just like, translator's note, Aura is a verbalized battle cry used during an attack. All right. No shit. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he punches <laughs> the hell out of Did the translations on this is either a shithead or having a good laugh. Could be both. Probably. Uh, but yeah, then I then I had wrote here that the room basically blows up and everyone thinks it was a gasoline explosion. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, everybody... I remember everybody, like, evacuating from the school, running by. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, uh, Joseph... Or I'm sorry, Jotaro brings him to Joseph and is, uh, Joseph is like, oh, well, you killed this man. You committed a murder. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's gonna die now. Sucks. Uh, but he actually points out the specific reason why he is going to die is because he has a weird tumorous protrusion on his forehead. Mm-hmm. And that is where the episode ends. Yeah. And just black credits, too. For some reason. Yes, we still don't have our uh, our new credit sequence just yet. The first episode lacked it because the credits just appeared over a scene. Because that yeah. episode runs fairly long. And that, and by the way, that happens a lot in part four. Like, for some reason. That's a shame because I did end up seeing the part four outro. And it is my absolute favorite one. Same. Uh, especially because it changes throughout the whole season. Oh, it does? Yep. Uh, oh, I don't know what version you saw, but characters get added into it as the series progresses. Okay. That sounds kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Oh, quick side note. Uh, so for people who who don't know or already know, it's a... Oh, God, what's the name of the song in the part four one? It's on the tip of my tongue. I Want You. AK- yes. A.K.A. Uh, when I was watching it, I told you that the end song I did not recognize until a specific line, and I was like, oh, it's that one, and that is uh, the Chicka Cherry Cola line. Yeah, 
I picked up like the first note of that song coming on and I'm just like, this shit was on the radio so goddamn much when I was younger. Yeah. I um, immediately know what this song is. So, but the, the, with the thing, beginning, I, I looked it up again recently and there was some YouTube comment of this guy going like, Oh, it's weird. You know, I had this, I was uh, kind of singing the song to myself while doing the dishes. And my mom was like, Oh, I recognize that song. Huh? How weird. Sitting here reading this going like, but is it though? Like, you know, it from this anime, your mom is a mom, meaning she's been around a while, and that song got a shitload of radio play. Yeah, it, I I didn't recognize it immediately. I it sounded familiar, like I recognized the burn 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 or whatever at the beginning, but then when it got to Chicka Cherry Cola, I was like, all right, okay. Yeah, um, I used to hate that song uh, when I was younger. I think just because it was again, I heard it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listening to it again now, I actually am starting to get like way into it. I watch the part four outro every time. Like for one thing, just to see how it changed it. Uh, in fact, spoilers for part four, there are no upcoming episode things in it. Hmm. None. It just says like next episode is whatever the title is and that's it. Anyway, we're way, way, way <laughs> ahead of ourselves but with part four stuff. Yeah. Um, super good, super good intro though. Uh, which I outro. guess we're talking about in lieu of having an out, an actual outro. Yeah, and I don't know why you... they don't show it here, though. That's the thing. You would think no it's idea. because it has Kakuin and Polnareff in it, but they show it the next episode and Polnareff still isn't in the team at that point. Yeah. Also, so, like, who is that really... Like, how is that saving anyone from spoilers, really? Like, this is a thing that's been out since, like, what, 1989, yeah. 1991? And they're there. they're both in the intro, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. Maybe it wasn't finalized by the time they had a, that episode out. You know, that the turnaround be. time on anime being what it is, maybe they did not have that finalized. That can't be it, though. I, I don't, I don't know. Because I like the outro, he, but it is very simple. Read Suda's notes. Maybe Suda has an explanation. Oh, well, you didn't actually finish the episode. Oh, oh no, I thought that was well. Just, well, you didn't mention thing the on... thing with Holly, uh, because I made a note that um, at one point she says, "Fine, thank you." To him, <laughs> God, always the best. He's great. Yeah. Okay, Suda says about episode two. Uh, let's see, what is? Uh, Who will be the judge? Question mark exclamation point is the name of this one. Uh. Oh, some interesting differences between the anime and manga. Oh, the bit with uh, Joseph and Avdol having a tea ceremony was new. That was not originally in the comic. Yeah. Uh, I have been going back and flipping through my books after finishing episodes just to kind of get a sense of what's different. Because it definitely seems like this one, um, part three being as long as it is, like they're actually adding a bit of stuff just for the sake of pacing things out. Mm-hmm. So, I like, yeah, like ceremony's not in it. I like this uh, change. Holly doing chores was originally singing the 1962 song The Locomotion by Jerry Goffin and Carol King. In the anime, this is replaced with her humming Aoi Sengoshu, a 1980 J pop song by Seiko Matsuda. Huh. Okay. Right. Okay, well. Suda, Suda says. 
Once again, I am storyboarding the second episode, which is the ground for many firsts with Kakyoin's inter- introduction and the first Aura Aura. The two first episodes absolutely had to define the atmosphere of the stand fights. The storyboard was consequently hard to make, but in the end we still get a well-paced episode. The three frames from Jotaro's flashback, they've branded me a delinquent, were Yasuko Kobayashi's idea, and we had integrated them without a hitch. We'd also included several original shots, but the true priority was to animate the emerald splash. We had meticulously examined the manga to render it as closely as possible on screen. I hope the result was good enough. I think this attack is particularly cool. I must thank the special effects the special effects team for this success. <clears throat> for Jotaro's Ora Ora scene, we begin with a slow motion of the punch digging into Hierophant Green. This two-second-long shot counts 450 frames, which makes the impact very striking and powerful. A great success Except from Fumiyaki Kota. Huh? We sent to, to the same guy who we had doing, like, four-frame lip movements. <laughs> Killed himself. It the, was... It was, uh... It was a worthy, uh... A worthy, uh... uh that slow-motion scene was really cool, though. Uh, by the well, way, yeah. by the way, I shut up. Suda's talking. <laughs> I don't care what this old man has to say. By the way, I also like the high school students. The boys are excessively buff, and there's this girl whose hair looks like a bird's nest. Ha ha ha. That's the end. <laughs> you had to get that far. Oh, that was a whole lot of Suda just boring old man rambling about animation just to finally get to the the good Suda. <laughs> Suda juice. That's the Suda. The core of the Suda that I want to slurp up. Oh, I love that Suda. That's some quality Suda. And that candy, that candy Suda core. Hmm. So, episode three, uh, Dio's curse, uh, also called the curse of Dio, the version I saw. Uh, Joseph explains that the the weird protrusion on Kakuin's head is. So I messed up the first time that I, I had read the subtitles and thought it was Flesh Bug. Oh, okay. No, Flesh it's Bud. Flesh... Yes. But imagine like a, like a bug, like a beetle, that was just made of like flesh. Like it looked like a beetle, but it had skin instead of like a hard shell. Uh, you still haven't seen Naked Lunch, have you? No, is are there flesh bugs in Naked Lunch? Uh huh. Gonna have to see that then. Uh, I mean, cause... you like Cronenberg anyway, don't you? Yeah, no, I love Cronenberg. That's, that's a what, fucking Cronenberg ass what... movie. Because after getting it dead wrong, I started thinking about these really gross, like bugs with flesh, and thinking like that is a wonderful Cronenbergian thing. Like that's disgusting, and I really like that conceptually. Yeah. Naked I'm glad to know great. that, yes, it, it, it is in fact a Cronenberg thing, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, that movie has uh, Peter Weller, Robocop himself. Nice. He's Another a... movie with some good body horror in it. Uh... Not, not that, like, not the whole point of Robocop, but there's a few bits in there. I wouldn't call it body horror, though. It's just, like, kind of gross. A dude got turned into the Toxic Avenger and then exploded when a car hit him. Yeah, but that's not horror. That's funny. 
<laughs> I mean, it is pretty funny. It is. Much like the Toxic Adventure. Mm. But, <laughs> and because that, again... That one I, Toxic I Adventure, mess- whichever one it is, where he yanks a guy's guts out and jumps rope with it, that's pretty good. It It is really good. So again, because I had messed up, I, in my notes, had written bug for about half of this before finally correcting it. And so I have a really good sentence here that just says, the bug is powered by Dio's charisma. <laughs> yeah, Joseph says, charisma. At one point. Uh, but basically, these flesh buds are like mind control uh implants um dio can produce them from like his hair and they sink deep into the skull like they they penetrate the brain and so what happened with uh katoin is basically dio was manipulating his emotions to get him to be a servant and go kill the joe stars Uh, but it's not something he would actually want to do himself Mm -hmm. and if Um, they don't remove it it... it it's basically like a Borg assimilation or something. Like, yes, they still kind of retain their main personality, but they'll do whatever they want them to do. Yeah, and uh, the reason why we know this is uh, Adval was <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I'm never going to get it right. Never in a million years. Every time I got to say his name or Kakuin, I get super uncomfortable because I know I'm going to fuck it up. I guess I'm just saying, everyone, please be patient with me. Yeah, so tell everybody the what Elka Seltzer of... does. <laughs> Upset stomach diarrhea. Yeah. So he was approached by Dio in Egypt, and Dio was whipping these things out of his hair, uh, but he fled uh, Dio like he jumped through a window and got away from him. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's how he knows what they are and what they do. And uh, if you try to remove it, if you make even the slightest twitch, it will, like, damage the brain, potentially kill the victim. Yeah. It's like, so Jotaro's uh, like, whatever, I'm yanking it out of there anyway. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great decision. Which, <laughs> I, I, like, it works out, but still, I'm not sure he should have been so confident. Yeah, this this is in fact the scene where we establish that Star Platinum's uh, thing is precision because he has Star Platinum steady his hand and very carefully rip it out. Well, it's uh, precision because it could catch a bullet. Yeah, well, true. I like they even specifically forgetting. mention Star Platinum's movements are so precise it can even snatch a bullet out of midair. So yeah. It's mostly, though, I I feel like in this episode, it's really coming up because he uses it for that purpose twice. Yes. Uh, The first time to take this thing out, then a a bit later. But as he's taking it out, the tentacles from the bud are going into Jotaro's uh, wrist and traveling up to his brain. So he's kind of on like a time limit. And this thing gets in Jotaro, that's a problem. Yes, and and Joseph says, shit, in English. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you're keeping track of all the things he says in English. <laughs> I love The voice it. act is perfect. Yeah. Uh, much like part two, really good voice actor. I, are they the same guy? Or did they get somebody else? I'm not sure, actually. Because, so I'll 
I'll I'll bring this up again. A uh, weird thing in the English dub because sometimes I I just go back and rewatch a little bit of it. Uh, Joseph is heavily British in the English dub of Part Two, and then all of a sudden has an American accent Part Three forward. Yeah, that's really weird. I don't understand. Uh, also, I think he's voiced by the guy who voices Captain Ginyu. Well, that's great. Yes, like that—that that is a beautiful thing. Almost makes me wonder if they switched. Um, what company was dubbing it between the two? Yeah, but like possibly, or they just wanted to get somebody who sounded older, and they were just like, "I'm, you're not paying me to do an accent." <laughs> I'm Captain Ginyu. I decide how I do voices, and it's yeah. Captain Ginyu all the time. Because uh, there's definitely some bits where he sort of slips into the Captain Ginyu voice. It, it's the dub actually gets good in part three. Okay. Look, I've just seen uh, one part we, with Kakyoin that seemed pretty good in the dub, but we we talked on the phone about how we both saw that, and it yes. was stick. The part with cherries, if anybody listening to this doesn't know, uh, we, just we, uh, just YouTube Kakyoin cherries, and it is fantastic. Yeah, uh, either version. Click, so, click, 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 click. It's uh, basically space ghosts saying cut, 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 cut. It really is. Uh, Jotaro gets the flesh bud free and he rips it out of his arm and he throws it and then we get this really quick uh moment where uh Joseph like karate chops it in the air and he uses Haman to destroy yeah, it. But he just says overdrive. He doesn't give it a name like he usually would. Yeah. No That's zoom strange. pun. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, but uh, Kakuin asks Joseph why he saved him, and I'm sorry, Jotaro, why he saved him, and Jotaro is like, "Ah, eh, I'm not really sure." <laughs> Doing the the tough guy, and like, I don't want to let you know that I actually care thing. Uh, but Holly patches him up, and this is where we get her insisting that Joseph call her Seiko, oh, since right. it is derived from the Japanese word for holy, which is where the name Holly comes from. And Joseph is so fucking mad about his daughter assimilating into Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I will not call you that. No, 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 no. You are my daughter. Your name is Holly. Oh, and Japanese since... coffee is terrible. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate everything about this, but the people have very kickable shins. <laughs> Which I do love. I... Again, she married a Japanese mus- musician, a Sadao Kujo, I think is his name. Uh, never seen. Ever. Yeah. Nope. Because he is unimportant. I guess, but technically, like, he's part of the Joe Star family. It feels like they should at least have a little quick bit with him where, like, something happens to him at least kill him off in some way give jotaro a bit of mo- no like give him some motivation <laughs> oh <laughs> what I, I that's the first place you go is murder his dad wow well, look what happened to joseph's dad and look how he turned out <laughs> you know fair point he became an actual character that's right <laughs> jotaro of- needs that Instead of like, oh, I saved you, I don't know. I'm a delinquent. I guess now's Shut a, up, bitch. Now's as good a time as any to like bring it up. I don't like Jotaro at all. Yeah. He's, he's so fucking boring. He's kind of just a 
blank slate. He, I, we, we watched a, a decent chunk of episodes, like in advance, because we knew it was going to be a bit until we did until we did this. Uh, I won't say how much, just so no one knows. You didn't have to mention that at all, really. Well, we we had already mentioned that we had gotten to the part with with click click. I so haven't. I think it's, well, I did. <laughs> Congrats. But, there, there's a there's a certain point in this where it seems like they're more concerned about every other character than Jotaro. Yep. Everyone else is getting a chance to shine and has a personality that is well defined and a voice within the show, and Jotaro is like in the background for ninety percent of this. Yeah. Well, I guess since now you know Jotaro's in part four, I actually feel like the little bit that he's in of part four gives him like a million times more characterization than he gets in part three. And he's just like I, a side character in it. Uh, Araki must have realized by that point. And well, let me let me ask you without knowing any specifics. Josuke, is he a more interesting character? Does he have more personality? I would say so. Again, okay. though, the thing about part four is it's much more of an ensemble. Uh, kind of in the way this is. Where there's no central character. Yeah, it's not like part one and two where it's mostly the yeah. John. I, I mean, you could say Josuke is the main character of it, but there are a lot of episodes where he doesn't show up at all. Yeah. Well, um, but like Look, this this episode I think is I'm one saying, episode where... All I'm saying is, Polnareff is the true hero of Stardust uh, Crusaders. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I, I mean, where I am at now, most of the episodes are about Polnareff. Goddamn right, because he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. I don't have a problem with that. But this is like the one episode I think where Jotaro actually does the most stuff. Mm. Like, Jotaro has the most agency that he has had so far in this episode. Probably. Uh, but... um. We we cut to the next day and everyone's getting up and they in their own way they kind of notice that something is wrong, and uh, I'm just going to call him Abdul. Abdul finds <laughs> Holly bucket. He finds Holly collapsed on the kitchen floor and she has manifested a stand. You didn't mention the best part about this scene. Oh, uh, what was it? She's there collapsed on the floor. She's wearing a shirt and like a coat over it. And somehow, Avdol just grabs her collar and yanks it all down. Like, I don't know how this works. It should not, because she had, like, a shirt on under it. But it's just like, here's the bare back somehow. Like, she was yeah. wearing a robe or something. Because then she after that... that now? Yeah. But, but like, after he just pulls it back up, it, it even shows her again from the front, and she's still just wearing a shirt. I don't know. It, yeah. I thought it was funny. I totally overlooked it. Uh, but Holly has a high fever. Uh, if it is left unaddressed, it will kill her. Mm -hmm. uh, and any again, they, they reiterate, reiterate, anyone with Joe Star blood is affected by Dio's curse. Uh, but because Holly is not a fighter, it's killing her. She's not able to control it. Her stand, you should mention. She has yeah. a stand. Well, they... They specifically call it in this scene, like, this is Dio's curse, that the Joe Stars will all manifest stands. Yeah, but it looks like Hermit Purple. Yeah. Also, 
don't know how it like in Holly's case definitely a curse for everyone else it kind of seems to work out and is sort of just a cool thing to have like a ghost buddy well I don't think they're talking about the stands specifically as Dio's curse I think it's just like the Joestar clan is cursed to have to deal with Dio I'm and you know what? It, sure, but also, Dio had no control over that just happening to kill her. Like, that just sort of happened. Dio did nothing wrong. Oh, no. That's Dio's not true at all. chilling out with a bunch of beautiful ladies in his sick castle in Egypt. He did... None of this is, like, actually his fault. Like, he didn't know stands would start manifesting. He's also eating the ladies. Well, you know... He's a vampire. He doesn't have con- Dio. Dio intentionally he... became a vampire. That's true. I guess he got me there. All right, maybe Dio did some things wrong. Just help. <laughs> uh, backpedaling your position <laughs> on this. But um, Jotaro and Joseph arrive, and they see all this going on, and Joseph just like he can't handle it. Like, this is, like, the thing that he feared the most happening. Yeah, he just, like, grabs Jotaro and slams him against the wall. It's like, ah! Yeah. He's, he's kind of being uh, overly dramatic. Yes. Uh, even Jotaro's like, get it together, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they, they decide that the only way to help Holly is to kill Dio, because that will, like, sever the, the curse and should, I guess, make the stands go away, which I've not finished this... I don't know if that would actually work because I don't think anyone loses their stands by Dio dying, assuming he does die at the end of this, which I assume that he does. Well, mm, you'll see. <sighs> we'll, we'll get there, but um, yes, they they the have pop- to in, they have to introduce the plot yeah. for this part. Yes, here's, here's what so, we're gonna be doing. Yeah, gotta go kill Dio because otherwise Holly will die in fifty days. So the, there's a problem with this, though, which is all of Joseph's spirit photos fail to give clues to Dio's whereabouts because, like, the backgrounds are just black. Yeah, even though I, after all mentioned they, he was in Egypt. <laughs> Joseph's like, look, I've just been keeping all these photos of uh, this buff boy in my bag, and I've been looking at him a lot. And all of <laughs> his buff boy... Which, I mean, sort of a problem... Yeah, depends on how you look at it. Yeah, well, yeah. But then but, they basically get the idea to uh, CSI this shit. He's gonna zoom and enhance using Star Platinum's eyes. Yeah, it's perfect, beautiful. And then, again, because Star Platinum can kind of just do whatever they want, he sees that it, there's a specific fly in the photo. And he can use Star Platinum to accurate, like, photorealistically sketch this fly. It's like that bit from iRobot where the robot draws that picture. It's just like, its hand is blurring back and forth, just scribbling this fly out. Yeah, and Joseph says he's allergic to bullshit. That's the part (laughs) you're talking about? Yeah. I don't remember anything about iRobot other than that scene, and I did not murder him! And (laughs) something about sneakers. Oh, yeah, man, Shia LaBeouf is in that movie? He is? Yes, he is. Oh, boy, great. Yeah, it's not not a good film. I believe it. 
I didn't like it Controversial when I saw it. Controversial opinion. Hot take. I don't like iRobot. Oh, next they're uh, gonna tell me Hitch isn't any good. Uh, a little bit of context where I work uh, and have worked for about the last uh, going on six years. We have a copy of Hitch on DVD and people are constantly putting it in the DVD player and I keep walking in and having to like see Hitch. I... I must have in chunks seen that movie at least ten times start to finish now. The Curse of Hitch. I uh, hid it behind a copy of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s Snow Dogs, thinking <laughs> no one would ever open that motherfucker up and I would finally be done with Hitch, and then a goddamn week later it's playing again, meaning someone opened up Snow Dogs and were like, oh, Hitch is in here. I'd rather watch Hitch. <laughs> and then they put Hitch in. Uh, it makes me so mad. I have never seen Hitch, but recently, ah! I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and there was a movie playing on TV, on whatever channel on TV was on. And I watched just a little bit of it. It's like, this is the fucking worst. And it turns out it was Hitch. Yeah, I don't even remember what, so what was. It was something in a workplace where some boss was being a jerk. I don't know. It was baby boss. Was, boss was, baby? No, it was from Hitch, but I don't remember what was actually oh. happening. But it was like, also, I have woken up and seen um, oh, the movie with like Mandy Moore. Uh, it it was like some teenage romance movie. But it was just a scene with her and, I guess, her boyfriend in this car, and he puts a temporary tattoo of a butterfly on her neck, and he's blowing on it, and I guess it's supposed to be, like, really romantic. It was just the fucking worst. I feel like you just described every single movie Mandy Moore has been in. Probably. You know, I have no problem with Mandy Moore, but holy Christ, I don't think she has been in a single movie that I would ever watch. Uh, uh, anyway, Abdul uh, picks up this pad and he looks at the fly. He's like, oh, I gotta go, bye. I, to, I gotta go to the library. I'm gonna see ya. Yep. I'll be back later. I gotta go look at pictures of the flies. Uh, which this is another difference between the manga and the anime because in the manga I was looking through here and like he just instinctively he's like oh that that flies from like uh, the Nile River. That seems like something Abdul would know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Kakuin is up and he meets Abdul in the library and uh, he confirms that stands can indeed kill their masters. It has happened before, although it is very rare. Uh, and in Holly, this is where we establish like in Holly's case, she's got fifty days. Um, they just and, know that. And, yeah. Uh, we then have, like, Joseph taking care of uh, Holly, who's woken up from her fever. Joseph's a good... He's a good pappy. He's a good dad. She's, yeah. like, brushing, combing her hair. She's like, oh, dad, put my panties on. Dad, just kidding. Then they have a good laugh, and she spins the panties around on her finger. <laughs> yeah. It's a good bit. Uh, but it's kind of nice to know that the, sort of the way Holly turned out, you can very easily tell from this scene, is not just from, like, who her mother is. Like, her being very much like Susie Q, very playful and kind of, like, just very kind to everybody. But also, like, Joseph, just being a good, simple boy. 
Oh, we didn't mention jo- uh, Joseph does mention Susie Q when he appears in the airport. He's like, "Oh, I had to lie to her and tell her that it was a business trip for Joe Star Real Estate." Yeah. So Susie Q is still around. Yes. Hasn't died. He was turned into a, a zombie in the air interim, and they've been having to like kill people for a while to keep her going. Please watch Santa Clarita Diet. It's already uh, been renewed for season three. You don't have to keep doing this. Watch season. I want them to make seasons four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Keep watching it. I do never too. stop. But until you. Okay. Great. Anyway, uh, it flies from Egypt. No, back back at Aswan, the, Egypt. Back at the... native to the Nile. What was it called? Like a gua gua fly or something? Yeah, it's something like that. It's got a real weird name. Yeah. Uh, and Kakyoin is also like, hey, I also met Dio in Egypt. They were like, we were on vacation there, and he he came up. He's just like, hey, I want you to fight for me. And I was like, no. And he's like, well, okay, now I gotta put a flesh bug in your hair. <laughs> yeah. And was like, what? And then, you know, everything else happened after that. So... Now they are... <laughs> just knock shit over back there. <laughs> I actually just banged my elbow on my desk, which uh, hurts <laughs> quite a bit. So they're on their way to uh, Egypt, but they have to have somebody stay with Holly. So they have a team of doctors from the Speedwagon Foundation. Hell yes. Speedwagon, uh, I, still I do doing wanna... good work. I do want to mention real quick, there's a, a really... There's a moment where they are deciding to go after Dio, uh, where Kakoin is like, "Hey, not to be weird or anything, but like, if I were to fall in love, with <laughs> oh yeah, you, I want to be like your mother." Yeah, he says, "I don't want this to sound strange, but uh, <laughs> look, 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 the team is together mostly uh on their way they have to come together outside the gate and pose yep stomp their feet in unison yep oh Oh, before this though um is when avdal says hey your stand needs a name so here grab a tarot card and i'll name it and so that's when he gets star platinum because... And then Jotaro is like, uh, this is a real weird way to name these. There's only like 26 uh, cards in this deck. You'd think there'd probably be more stand users than that, but all right, whatever. Start platinum. <laughs> I don't think there are 26. Uh, is it, I think it's actually like 21. Probably. That sounds closer. Mm, because yeah. here's the thing. Araki got the great idea to name all the stands in this part after tarot cards plus colors Iraqi apparently did not realize how long this was going to go on because they run out of those about a third of a way through it then he was like okay then I know I will name them after Egyptian gods and uh, that didn't last too long either because there aren't that many of those and so then it's like alright whatever music references again I give up that's so Iraqi it really is. Also, like, it's, um, it's tarot card plus color, too, which also, like, not that many primary colors. Well, no, that's why you get stuff like platinum. 
Yeah. Well, even then, you would be so limited off of what you're working on, you'd have to start getting into, like, more weird variants of colors at some point, I would assume. Yeah. Well, some like, actually like don't... something violet or baby blue. Well, some of them don't have colors, though, too. I think one of them is, like, dark blue moon. Yeah. Dark blue so, moon. So, like, they, they do, yeah, they, they do have to go into, like, variants of of primary color. It, yeah. Then there's it, also a, just strength is one. Um, yeah, it doesn't even have a color. Yeah, there are a couple like that. Uh, Death 13. Hey, that's a number. That's not even a color. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, didn't quite plan this ahead. No. But anyway, he gets the stand named. They stomp their feet and pose. They are on their way to Egypt, and then we get the walk like an Egyptian outro. Finally. Oh yes. I was. Uh, I voiced how bummed I was to find out that roundabout is not used throughout the entire series. And then some chuckle fuck decided to blab to you. Over yeah. a Discord, tell you about this wonderful outro. Yeah, "Walk Like an Egyptian" is a really good song that I have always liked, and it is used very, very effectively here. I do not like the bit where it just like goes quiet, especially because they use that bit in the end here. It's weird. Hmm. Oh, no, I just like when that that gong kicks in at the start. I'm like, hell yeah, "Walk Like an Egyptian." I just really like Susanna Hoffs. Yeah, me too. You heard uh, the covers album she's done with Matthew Sweet? Oh, no, I have not. They're really good. Each one is a specific decade. Hmm. But I know you also uh, don't like cover songs. Oh, uh, well. I, it's not that I inherently dislike cover songs. It is you that hate I... them. You told me that every time you hear a cover, you just want to murder whoever created it. I mean, that is true most of the time, because I do think most cover songs are terrible. What about that Electric Six cover of Rasputin? That's the, so that's the sort of difference, though, right? Is like, I don't think all cover songs are inherently bad. There are good ones. There are just so few good ones, and they are all by Electric Six. No, Brian Ferry, he's great at covers. I'm, yeah, um... But Brian Ferry's so good uh, at it. His first two solo albums were nothing but covers. Well, actually, the second one had one original song on it. He's Brian Ferry. He can get away with it. Goddamn right. Uh, The only thing I think, uh, musically, that is more consistently terrible is when people do, like, English dub versions of fucking anime intros. I don't know. Uh, Like what? Like doing an English version of uh, Real Folk Blues or like an Ew. English version of any of like the Kill the Kill songs or like any Japanese, like the lyrics are in Japanese and then just doing English versions of it. Or even worse than that is taking songs that don't have goddamn lyrics and writing lyrics for them. Mm. Yeah. There are so many Undertale songs where people write the cringiest <laughs> motherfucking li- It's goddamn ter- mm. You telling me the fans of Undertale are obnoxious? I, I know, shocking, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're over there on their fucking weasel or whatever, just posting the- uh. 
Stop Let's drawing find... the monster tail fucking... Stop it! Let's find out what Suda had to say about this. Okay, please do. Suda says, yeah, dubbed versions of anime songs. Fucking trash. Parentheses. Parentheses what? Laughs. Oh. <laughs> Suda says, Undertale was an okay game ruined by its fandom. Ha 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 ha. Okay, here, here's what uh, Suda says about episode 3. The direction and storyboard were in Toshiyuki Kato's care, one of the main members of the JoJo team. Because it was a calm, transitory episode, the director had to be skilled enough to make it interesting. Seeing the end result, choosing Kato was clearly a good call. If I had to choose a memorable scene, it would be the one with Abralus Holly and Avdol's explanations about the origin of the curse. That was quite a strange sequence. Ha 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 ha. I like the atmosphere of the big traditional Japanese house, especially the sound of the shishiodoshi. Let's note that the sliding doors are only 1.8 meter tall in this house, but Jotaro and his companions stand above 1.9 meters and must bow a little to walk around. Joseph is confronted with Japanese culture. That's a first. No, it isn't. Uh, well, I mean, it's the first culturally. It's not the first of like encountering a Japanese person. No, it's not because the tea ceremony was in the previous episode. Oh yeah, right, right. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> never mind. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, Mr. Kado's directing underlines all of these details remarkably well. This episode is a prelude to the journey, with the reason for the departure, the objective, and the preparations. We had to set up everything well here before really getting to business in the next episode. We had... Wait, what? We had mutinously prepared the content of the first two episodes to do anything we pleased for this last introductory episode. I think that means meticulously. I think somebody screwed up this. Actually, real, real quick, though, what he just said, like... This is the last of the introductory episodes. I wonder if they were withholding Walk Like an Egyptian until, like, if they were almost treating these three episodes as one single unit, and the way to close that out is to then give the proper outro. It actually makes me wonder if they aired in one chunk to begin with. Yeah. Like as, huh. like a three-part like, thing. Like, assuming what, what I'm watching is coming off of, like, the, the DVD or the Blu-ray rip from Japan, I wonder if that, like, black uh, credit screen was just added to that because they had to, like, the episode didn't run long enough for it to go over an actual scene, or, like, it would have been too distracting over a scene. I don't know. Or, like, that last scene's kind of short. I don't think they would have had enough time to actually put credits over it, so maybe that was just their way of, like, well, we gotta get this in here because it's broken apart. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, that's it for episodes one through three of season oh. two. What? We do have a we have a post credit oh, yes. stinger. Yes. This yeah. never happened before. Unprecedented. Well, it happened at the end of season one. Yes, but I, I mean like within the middle of it, something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh the the gang is on or well, this is where what I had mentioned earlier. Uh, Dio punches a camera, but it doesn't break. And he withdraws a spirit photo, and he sees uh, Joseph and Jotaro on an airplane. And Joseph wakes up from a nap, and he realizes that they are being watched. Yeah, and he, then goes... It, it's weird. There's... 
He says, it always feels like somebody's watching me. <laughs> uh, but he then warns that there is probably a stand user on the plane. Yeah. Mysterious. And that, yes. And with that, we are now done with episodes one through three. Yes. Next time, we'll be talking about episodes four through six, which are Tower of Grey through Dark Blue Moon. I knew it was Dark Blue Moon. Yeah, you knew about Dark Blue Moon. Everybody knows about Dark Blue Moon. Famous. Blue Moon is the shittiest beer this side of Natty Ice. I don't care, you fucking drunkard. This has, this has been <laughs> George's Beer Corner. Oh, the worst. It's my version of Popcorn Classics, where we will never get to it, because it's a fucking terrible bit. Great. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I don't know why anybody does. We come together, cause I'm